Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Priya Rao, Executive Editor at Glossy. And today's guest is Charles Rosier, the CEO of Augustana Spotter. Welcome, Charles. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me in on the podcast. We're so excited to have you. So, Charles, tell us a little bit about Augustana Spotter. You know, this, this brand kind of really broke onto the scene about two, three years ago and kind of out of nowhere. So how did you first get to know Professor Botter and find this brand and find this product? Yeah, no, I, I met first um, Agustinus through um, a very close common friend. And uh, he introduced me, Agustinus, as being the, the most brilliant brain in the world in uh, stem cell research. And because that person was really focused on, on, you know, stem cell research for both on, you know, investment and, and support side as well as personal side, because he, he, he's a particular character. Actually, he used to be, you know, the guru of Steve Jobs. He's the one who <laughs> taught him yoga and brought him to India. So they were at Reed College in Oregon together. And apple comes from the fact that actually his aunt had a, an organic apple farm. And uh, and they were basically uh, going there. It was a hippie community every weekend. So so uh, Steve Jobs became a self-made billionaire. So he's uh, our common friend. And uh, and because he's located in Singapore and being in like three continents every week, he was very interested in everything that would prevent aging and would allow him to be able to work twenty hours a day. Uh, no jet lag, etc. So he came to the conclusion that stem cells, you know, was something that could could help him, and and he was really focused on on you know on the anti aging activities of stem cell science, and uh, have, having been one of the early adopter of you know stem cell research and being quite demanding person and investigating the field. Uh, very thoroughly when he told me that Agustus was the best brain in the field, I, I really took his endorsement for, for something, uh, like for granted. Like I, I really, um, thought, uh, you know, Agustus was clearly a leader for, for my friend Robert to, to endorse him in that way. Um, so I, I kind of took his number the same way. If somebody introduced you, like the, someone telling you he's the best massage therapist, you think, okay. Maybe I, you know, I take the number in case one day I need a massage or, um, so it was really at the time I was actually supporting philanthropically the research of a French professor on spinal cord injury. And I took Agustin's number to exchange a little bit on the application of stem cells on, on spinal cord injury. And, um, and we stayed in touch like that for two years. And I literally, when we met, never thought we would do a project together. And, um, and it's really two, three years after when I visited Agustinus, uh, you know, research center and, and, and clinic after again, uh, that person, that common friend, Robert Freeland, insisting on the fact that I should go and visit him. Um, I, I just, he shared with me the, the picture of a, of a burned, uh, child, four year old, uh, child. And, uh, and he shared with me the fact that the, a friend of his who was head of reconstruction surgery at the university hospital in Germany in Munich, who applied the wound gel that he created in 2008. Um, basically using that wound gel, he was able to prevent skin graft and scarring to that child. And, um, and I was amazed and I was not only amazed by the result, but I was also shocked and amazed that that's not widely possible. You know, that, that, that surgeon that used that wound gel was a student with Agustinus in, in, uh, liver transplant surgery 30 years ago. So they, 
they know each other and they trust each other, uh, having 30 years of, of history and friendship. But, but I was, okay, if you're not lucky enough to know that, that person and, you know, and an accident happened to, to someone close to you, then you don't benefit from that treatment. You know, that treatment is not widely available and the treatment would make huge differences and especially as well in war zone or for the Red Cross and, and every NGOs around. So I was, I was really shocked that that thing could exist, but was not widely available. And at the same time, talking to Agustinus, because I've invested in biotech before, I knew that you have to go through clinical trial, phase one, phase two, phase three, phase four, and cost tens of millions. And basically, Agustinus told me that because he's a university professor, he, uh, you know, he did not have the funding, personal funding to fund the clinical, all the clinical trials till the end to make it available. And the second part of it, he told me that pharmaceutical groups were not so interested because the number of cases of burned people in the Western world was not so high. Because if you think about it, most cases are actually in the third world, third world because half of humanity still use fire to cook and, and, and heat themselves. But it's mostly in third world country. And, and uh, basically, you know, for pharmaceutical group, it's not necessarily the, the, the most valuable customers. So in order to finance the development of that wound gel, um, you know, th that was not so attractive to pharmaceutical groups. So he was struggling to find the, the funding. And I was in my head, I was, I was kind of, okay, but how can we help that funding? And, and then I, I made this kind of thing, okay, from burn skin to perfect skin, it can probably cure wrinkles because if you can cure, if you can turn a burn skin into perfect skin, then you can probably do something about wrinkles. Probably. And yes. I very candidly, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, you know, if you can fly to the moon, you can fly to the city next door. And, um, and I was, so I very candidly asked him, uh, could you do an anti-wrinkle cream that works? And, uh, and he replied as well candidly, uh, yes, why? And, um, and it took me two years to convince him because he had no, you know, no particular knowledge of the, of the skincare industry and an understanding of how, uh, you know, a skincare product could finance research you know that was a little bit of a stretch for him and uh, so I, I nearly gave up during two years because we, we kind of uh, you know stayed in touch but he was not really moving forward in in that project and uh, and suddenly when I was about to give up I, I, I visited him a last time in Leipzig where he's a university professor and I asked him and I said you know if we would have started two years ago maybe a product would be out there already so what are what are you waiting for maybe it's and he admitted to me that he offered a prototype of that cream to some patient because he's treating in his clinic some serious, you know, patients that have, again, non-healing wounds or, or um, you know, things like uh, muscular dystrophy because he's, he's the only person who discovered the way to trigger your own dormant stem cells. So it has application on, on your skin and on wounds, but it has also application on, on autoimmune disease or neurodegenerative disease. So anyway, so during a visit, he admitted that he was offering the prototype, a prototype of the cream that he created to patients. And they were all calling him back after one month, not to give, you know, news on, on how their treatment was going, but to ask for more of that cream. So he realized that that cream made people happy. And he, and again, very candidly told me, you know, if people seems to be happy with that cream. So let's do it. And, and that's how it started. I guess, Charles, from your perspective, so, you know, for Augustinus, like, it was very much like the beauty side of the business seems to have been 
the afterthought for the clinical side of the business or the science-backed side of the business. For you, what made you so interested in the beauty industry, in the skincare industry? Was it, was it similar or was it very different, your perspective? I was, so again, you know, with our business, we created a, a, a biotech company. So really the, the, the driver for both of us is really to make that wound gel widely available. So we, we have started clinical trials now on children burns and diabetic wounds which are non-healing wounds that have no solutions today. Um, you, you, you have every year, anyway, serious cases of, of di diabetes uh, wounds that, that cannot be treated. And uh, so on my side, and again, I, I had the past where I supported and I invested in the, in the biotech field. So I, like Agustus, I had no prior experience of the, of the beauty field, but I guess I had more knowledge on, on the industry than him in the sense that I understood that you know, the power of such a disruptive technology applied to, to a beauty product that that could attract, again, um, interest from the consumer and could be successful. And the success, once he creates the product, we can, again, create a team of people to take care of the marketing and the distribution, etc., and have him focus on the research. And, and again, you know, the profitability of that venture and the product could finance his research. So it was a very pragmatic approach, again, of, of finding, uh, let's say, a consumer good product that could be scaled in order to finance uh, a research venture um, for, for application, again, that the pharmaceutical industry did not find attractive enough at that time. Um, so, so I think we had a similar vision, but I, I had a background that was maybe more helpful to the system in order to set up the whole infrastructure and, and you know, carry. Uh, Agustus being a university professor, you know, at, at university, when you do research, there is no real timeline, uh, you know, deadlines. And, and as you know, a company, you, you, kind of, you have to launch a product, you have to respect some deadlines, etc. So, so in some ways, we're quite complementary. And, uh, and of course, he's He's a true genius, and I am convinced he's going to have a Nobel Prize when, when you know his discovery is going to be validated by the clinical trials that we're doing, and um, and I'm I'm really happy, and I I think it's really a privilege, you know, to work in a field where there is such an interesting, you know, scientific background. Um, but I'm you know he's again he's the brain doing the research. I'm I'm the guy behind the scene trying to bring the infrastructure around. Were you surprised when this product came to market, you know, the first product in, in your assortment and it was received with such fanfare, you know, it was selling out on Violet Gray, oh. retailers were uh, clamoring to carry it. Were, were you surprised at kind of the, um, the attraction and the fanfare so instantaneously? Uh, candidly, no, uh, <laughs> because I, I, before we launched, I was convinced that again, because the discoveries are, of Agustus are unique and, and, you know, it took him 18 months to translate those discoveries into something that is cosmetically uh, approved and, and, and not treating again wounds, but treating intact skin and, and with not drugs, but, but skincare cosmetic ingredients. So, so that, that phase was the risky phase is, you know, uh, uh, can you apply a medical science into a consumer good product? Can you, can you replicate part of his discoveries, uh, you know, without using a drug, but being a skincare product? And, uh, 
And in some ways, once the, the again the, he managed to execute that translation, which was not so easy, uh, I was convinced that again because the science is unique, then the product would be unique. And I was convinced that the consumer would see it and adopt it, and it would be a success. But uh, but again, it's it's probably because I was naive. Because of course, you know, it's it's a very competitive industry. There are a lot of noise and, and having a good product is, is not enough nowadays. And so I think we were very lucky to have the combination of having, again, uh, a different product, quite disruptive, that people like Cassandra Gray and other experts in the skincare industry, you know, got their hands on and got convinced that there was something special behind it and it was worth it to, to kind of, you know, try to distribute it, promote it and, and put it forward. And so we had a set of believers. And, and the second phase is because we were a small team with no big marketing budget, we thought, okay, where is the most influential community worldwide? Because if you take a French celebrity or an Italian celebrity, in some ways, that person is influential in France or in Italy, but not necessarily globally. But then if you go to Hollywood, the, the Hollywood celebrities are influential globally. They're, as you know, recognized everywhere and, and people tend to follow them and, and their impact can be worldwide uh, to the exception of China. But, but for the rest of the world, they, they do uh, have a big impact. So, you know, we, we, we had a friendship connection to Melanie Griffith and Don Johnson, and they kindly distributed again the lab samples, the, the prototype of the cream to, to their friends in Hollywood. And, um, and they distributed also one to, to someone who does uh, IV vitamin drips to, to Hollywood celebrities and was going to their home every two weeks. And so she went to the home of a few celebrities after two weeks of, you know, having been there two weeks prior. And they said, but what have you done to your skin? And she said, what do you mean? And she said, you know, have you done like an injection? Have you seen someone? You, you, your skin looks different. And, uh, and she said, no, I've just got that cream from Melanie Griffiths made by a German professor. And they, they all, kind of went, okay, I, I need that cream. I want that cream. And so, <laughs> so in some ways she became our best, you know, uh, ambassador um, to the Hollywood community. And I think a buzz was created there. So, so I think we, we had those kind of two or three phases. We, we had one phase in Hollywood that, you know, caught the attention and the sample ended up in the hands of Cassandra Gray and a few other people. And then we had a phase organized by, by our um, PR agency where we met uh, you know, beauty press journalists. And I think the beauty press journalists, because of the credibility of the story of Agustinus, because of, of all the research, and, you know, I mean, Agustinus, again, he was in the room. And, and you know, so Agustinus does exist. And that's why we call the brand with his name. So people can Google him and see that the story is true, see that the research are true. And it's not just, you know, finding a, a nice, uh, you know, plant from the Himalaya, but there is, you know, something... Uh, a true story behind it that they can they can talk to the person, challenge him, discuss with him, see pictures, you know, see his research, and uh, or even investigate publications. So I think the journalists, when they heard the story from Agustinus' mouth, they got interested, they got intrigued, and they said because the, of course journalists hear about the miracle cream, you know, every week if not every month. So. They, they're, they're a little bit suspicious, but, but because of Agustinus and the story, they, they, they were interested. And, and I think they truly tried the product because, as you know, journalists 
gets maybe 20 products every day to try. And I don't think they try all the products. I think it obviously end up in the hands of your cousin or your <laughs> sister or your aunt or your daughter. And so, so I think they truly tried the product and, and very kind. I mean, and, and they did amazing reviews of their own experience and they, they became our best ambassadors. And I think the launch of the brand was also due to those amazing endorsements from journalists that would share in their editorial their own candid experience of, you know, using the cream from day one to day 15 or, or whatever it is. And, and that was that was far stronger than, than Hollywood endorsement, obviously, because, again, Hollywood is a small community. And even if few of them would, you know, testify and share their experience, it would be a minority because most of them have contracts with, with and cannot just advertise a product like that. Um, so, so I think the, the, you know, the, the journalist and, and the beauty press was really the, the key element to the launch of the brand. So Charles, I mean, it has, I have to say that so much of this sounds so not calculated comparatively for the beauty industry, you know, the launches are so planned and product pipeline and the right influencer and the right campaign, the right distributor, you know, it's very precise. And it sounds like your experience was very different from that. What was it like now being in it, you know, being in it for two years and seeing what the retailers are demanding and, and what the celebrities are demanding or the buyers, you know, what has your experience been? I mean, it's, it's, it's very exciting both for Augustus and myself because we are obviously meeting new people, discovering a new world. Um, and, and it's very gratifying in some ways to have, you know, the support of, of people like you, of journalists, of, of, you know, speaking kindly about our, what we do and the products and, and the consumers, etc. So it's, uh, I think even Agustinus, who maybe arrived into that adventure a little bit, uh, not, not like a tourist, but it was not, it was half believing that, that story. I think now, now the more he meets people, and, and again, for him, it's gratifying as well, because it's a translation of his discovery into a product that people can try and see. And, and so it's not a, so abstract, you know, and until now he's, you know, he was mostly at, at his university and in a lab and some people would believe his discoveries, other people would not believe it. So to have a consumer good product that people can try and experience is, is something very gratifying. So yes, you're right. It, it was a little bit, you know, we've been lucky in, in many ways. In some ways you, you need, you need a lot of luck. You need, of course, a good product and you need to work hard. And I think we've been working hard and we've been very lucky and we have a good product. So. Those three came together and made things happen and flow in a way that we are, we are, you know, that part of it we can qualify luck because yes, you know, our first retailer in the US was, was Violet Gray because Cassandra reached out to us because she tried the product and loved it. In Europe, it was Dieci Corso Como in Milano, which is again a cult, uh, you know, multi-brand store. It was the first place in the world that do that. Carla Suzani, whose sister Franca, you know, was the, the head of Vogue Italy and El Italy for decades, and they're very influential in Italy. And um, and and Carla the same tried the product, loved it, and she loved it so much that I said, "Oh, you love it so much? Why don't you carry it in the <laughs> store?" And she started carrying it. So it really happened. Everything happened organically, exactly as you said. Not not really planned. And we we did not open in the main department stores before September October, and and we launched in in March because we you know we had no no credibility or no real plan. So everything came more on a reverse inquiry basis. More And, and it, it's great for us because obviously when you have to convince someone with a story that is a little bit 
sounds too good to be true. It's better to be in a position where they hear themselves about the story from someone and they come to you. And then that makes the whole relationship, you know, healthier and, 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 and better for us at least. Um, so that, that's what it has, that's how it has been growing. Now, I guess now what we're trying to do is because I was just translated that, you know, that, that invention into, into a consumer good element, which we call the, the TFC8 in our product. We're trying to listen to the consumer and reply to their request. You know, the, the, after the face cream, people, the first comment was, I love what it does to my face. So I'd like to see the same in, on my body. And they asked for, uh, for a body cream. And, uh, and so everything was, was really going in, in, in that way of, of trying to, um, answering, uh, you know, consumer requests the same way we just launched the, the, the cleanser because people were asking us, okay, I love what I can see on my, you know, uh, on my face. And I want to make sure that I apply the product properly. So how do I apply the product? And we said on clean skin. And then the first question was, okay, but so what product do you recommend to clean the skin? And when we looked at some of the cleanser, Agustinus, when she, he looked at the formula, first comment was, oh, it's not so healthy for the skin. And so we thought, okay, so rather than recommending other cleanser, let's create our cleanser that we think is super healthy for the skin. And and so that's how we're moving forward. It's more trying to, to you know, we have in the pipeline, as you, as you know, the launch of a body oil as well. And because people might prefer oil texture rather than cream texture. And, and so we're trying to, again, uh, offer different options to get that TFCA, that special ingredient, I mean, set of, of ingredients coming from Agustinus Research. So whether people use it through an oil or cream, et cetera, it's, it's the same for them. It's the same effect. It's just a preference of ex- personal experience with texture. Will you talk a little bit about the difference between what you're doing and obviously like the 12-step, you know, 15-step routines that we've kind of been accustomed to in beauty, you know, everybody's saying you need to apply like 18 different things on your face to look semi-normal. And you're saying, you know, there's one cream, there's one cleanser, there's one body lotion. It seems to be very different. Yes. Um, yes. And, and we, we, we totally respect the multi-step. So if people, because maybe the multi-step has a benefit as well for people to, to relax. It can be maybe a ritual, you know, to you take maybe 20 minutes of your time. So, so you have different people. Some people say, oh, I love what you're doing because it simplifies so much. It's fast. It's efficient. Boom. You know, one cream, as you say, one cleanser, one cream, off you go. So I, I agree with that. And at the same time, I can understand that some people maybe before going to bed or in the morning like to take time. And it's part of uh, the same way you can meditate. Maybe you apply a different, you know, multi-step routine and, and you feel at peace. For us, yes, absolutely. You're absolutely right. We are not recommending a multi-step routine because we feel that once you've cleaned, you know, your face and you apply one product, it's, it's enough, whether, you know, on your face and then on your body. Um, but if, if some people like to layer or, you know, we heard that some people in California, for example, LA, because the climate is very dry, they find our rich cream not rich enough sometimes. And on top of the rich cream, they, they use an oil. So now, as, as we're going to launch an oil, um, we would not be surprised that some of our consumer would use our cream plus the oil. But in terms of effect, they would get 
the necessary effect using either the cream or the oil. We're not saying, you know, you will have, you will maximize the effect or you will have um, uh, the most efficient result if you use four abyssivator products rather than one. We're, we're, we're sticking to what, you know, to, to our initial, um, let's say, DNA, which is one product is efficient enough to be used on its own. And then, you know, it's your, your choice in terms of texture, of, of layering, if you want. But it's not, it's, you know, it's not incremental effect by, by layering 10 products. So you're not trying to upsell anyone? No, I, I again, I, I think no, no. I, I, you know, it's it's. Um, I was just really. It's funny because that TFC eight again, which translates his uh, his research. If in some ways putting more would lead to more results, yes, you're right. Commercially, that would be even interesting for us. We could say, you know, like, <laughs> no, let's have ten because it's multiplied by ten and it's ten times faster. But it's not, so we can't lie about it. It's it's just not, you know the. That product is is efficient on its own, and uh, and it nourishes the skin cells environment. So your skin cells make the right decision. So it's all about you know creating the right environment around your skin cells. It's all about empowering your body. And once they, they get nourished with the, the right ingredients and the right element, your skin cells do the job. And and they don't need to be you know they don't need to be bombarded ten times to. To understand it, you know, it's like one product can nourish the environment sufficiently to to reach uh, an optimal, and um, and it's not negative to add, of course, but it's it's not necessary. Do you think that was hard to understand for some of the more traditional retailers out there in the market? You know, like of a department store or the bigger stores out there, because that's so much of what they do and what they tell the consumer when you're at the counter, when you could go to a counter yeah. when it wasn't COVID. Yeah, no, I, I I think they they like they like the the simplified approach and uh, in some ways, <laughs> you know the the uh, everyone nowadays in it, as you know it's of course uh, a business and everyone has its own constraint and and department stores they have also constraint of space and product productivity and for them a brand such as ours is very productive because in some ways you know we we have those kind of hero products that they sell. In a nice way, and uh, and they don't occupy too much space <laughs> and uh, in their shelves. So we, we don't have 120 products to offer, and that that limits again the space we occupy. And so I think and 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 listen, we are we are already going through cultural revolution internally because we we are kind of multiplying by two the number of products uh, offered to our customers in the space of just a few weeks because. Now that we're coming, you know, with uh, with a cleanser and uh, and a, and a body lotion and a body oil, and so those new textures per se, you know, coming from a brand that has only three products originally, uh, if you go to six, it's already a big jump. And um, so, so I think again, our our mission is probably not to have like some of our main competitors 120 products on offering. It's probably to fulfill like full targeted offering that could be, you know, around 10 or 12 products, just to be sure every important step of a beauty routine are taken care of. And I think for department stores and retailers in general, it makes sense to have an assortment from, a, from because anyway, if you talk to them, I'm sure that out of the 120 products offered by other brands, they probably sell, let's say, three main products. Probably the consumers like in every brand, one or two or three. So 
so, so I'm not sure they really like and they're in favor of brands trying to push in their stores 120 different products because they, most of, of those in those assortment, they, I mean, that's what I, we're hearing again. It's, it's, we're not like the top, top species, but what we're hearing is that, I mean, I've never heard of a brand that has 120 hero products that are selling like crazy. There's one, there's always just one, or they try to kind of fill out an assortment around a, a hero product. Uh, yes. Charles, what would you say your experience has been, you know, obviously you're growing in this environment in COVID and, 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 you know, a lot of other brands right now are having a lot of difficulties. What would you say is been the agenda here in, in terms of con continuing that growth and sustaining that growth? Yeah, COVID was a very particular period um, for two reasons for us. Uh, number one, we are human beings, and I think it was an incredible period for humans to realize, um, you know, that we were all in it together, and there was no difference of you know race and, and wealth, etc. Everyone could be touched by COVID, and. And I think at least at the beginning that created a, a solidarity and a, and a willingness to, to refocus on, on important things like healthcare, like medical research, like, you know, away from, from let's say, some superficiality that it's, it's part of human nature. Obviously, when, when life is at stake, people go back to very important uh, bases. So we, we were trying to be like most people, not like, you know, uh, in your face, advertising beauty products like it was a necessity for survival because it was not. And uh, so we had, you know, we we, had, we naturally adapted to the tone and, and and the events, and we and we refocus our production to to contribute in a small way and in the way we could, which was, you know, we've we've changed our production line to produce hand sanitizer and, and, and we produced 60,000 hand sanitizer that we donated. And then we also donated our, our stock of, uh, of, of, of 50 ml uh, rich cream that, you know, 12,000 of them, which again is a big number for us uh, compared to our yearly production. And to to frontliners and and the hospitals in um, and I think everything has been now uh, donated by now. So it was in the US mainly, and then in, in the UK, in France, in Italy, in Spain, um, and and in a little bit in in a, in a few other countries. So so we've tried to contribute slightly in uh, in you know at our small scale. And um, and we also tried to change the priority in terms of new product launch because we launched a hand treatment because we felt that, I mean, it was a personal experience and the experience of a lot of people around me that our hands was, were getting a little bit uh, destroyed from uh, overwashing and over sanitizing. So that, that's, that, that was the COVID experience for us with, of course, the experience of having disruption in, in our uh, supply chain and, 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 you know, having to, but, uh, but again, we, we are very privileged. We were able to, to keep hundred percent employment in the company. Uh, the beauty sector, as you know, was one of the few sector that was not massively, uh, undermined by, by the crisis compared to, to, you know, the hospitality sector, airline sector, and so many sectors that had to, restructure and, and maybe uh, let go of, of some people in their teams. So yes, we, we, 
let's say we we feel privileged uh, on the way uh, it went. We are we are happy, obviously, that the number of cases in Europe has been dramatically gone down. I heard that yesterday in New York was the first day with no 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 death in uh, in New York from COVID. Uh, so the, the tide seems to, to also change in, in, in New York and in places that have applied the confinement rule. And, you know, I hope, I hope soon, um, you know, it's going to be the case for, for most of the countries. I know we're not there yet, but I want to remain optimistic. Absolutely. With so much uncertainty as the year goes on, and obviously, you know, doubling your assortment, um, you know, from three products to six now, what are you thinking are the priorities for Augustus Butter? Like, what do you want this brand to be at the end of 2020 or the start of 2021? I think what is very important from for us is uh, again we're very grateful from from the support of 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 you of the press of of our community um, and um, and so I think that support is is really based on on the quality of of the product. And uh, so we really want the brand to be synonymous of of quality. Uh, you know, we 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 want that our consumer that really invest in an Agusus butter product invest for their skin health and for for the long term health of you know again of, of their skin. So we we want to make sure that every product again we we refer to that, but is a kind of hero product in its own category. That there is no question about the fact that. Uh, yes, it might be a bit pricey, but it's worth it because you know the, the results are there, and and the product has you know adds something to the conversation that it's not just a product again to just to launch a new product and as you said satisfy maybe the demand of department store of of you know what what people expect of the brands. So our creative process is more in terms of new product. It's more once we're happy about the formula, once we're happy, we launch it. We don't really have a fixed launch plan where we say, you know, we, we have ideas and we have a direction, but we don't launch a product until it's ready. And uh, there is one product we're going to launch soon that was supposed in our head to be launched in January, and uh, but it was not fully ready. So it's launching now. And so, so I think if we can keep the... The reputation of the brand, the way it is, we will be happy, and uh, you know, and not modify uh, this kind of relationship we have with our community, uh, where they see uh, a quality in the product they buy, and and it's not by let's say again multiply by two the number of products that we would we would have compromised the quality and that relationship. So I hope that you know the, our our community and consumers will be happy with the new products coming. And uh, and if they're you know as supportive of those new products and still consider that we are not diluting our image and brand by by adding new products, that that would be a great achievement for us. Last last question, Charles. You know, I know that you guys are forecasting around seventy million in retail sales at the end of this year. What yeah. kind of what size or capture do you think that Augustine Spotter can have with this strategy? You know. Is this going to be the next La Mer? Is this not going to be the next Biologie yeah. Recherche? What are you yeah. What are you hoping for? Uh, definitely bigger than La Mer. <laughs> um, uh, so, you know, in, I mean, it's an interesting question. Philis philosophically, we do not want to be La Mer because I think La Mer is part of a strategy from a bigger group, Estée Lauder, and it's it's the brand that 
that tackle their, let's say, premium customers, you know. And us, we, we are not a big group, you know, we have Agnesis Batter, and we want to talk to an audience which is as wide as possible. We, we, we don't have one brand to speak to premium customers and another brand to speak to younger communities. We want, you know, people that have issues with acne or teenagers, you know, from, from, again, investing in your skin is something that is valid from 16 years old to, to later. And actually, you know, we, we know that some young people use Botox to prevent, you know, wrinkles and things like that, which is not very healthy for them. So we want to be a, a healthy, good, true solution for skincare across generation and across communities. We don't want to be just addressed to one segment of the market because we have 25 brands in our portfolio. So we kind of strategically address ourselves to one. But yeah, we, we, we have ambitious plan. We believe we have the best product in the market. And so we believe the consumer wants the best product. So we see no limit to our growth. Thank you so much, Charles. It was great having you. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much for listening to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. Tune in next week for another episode. And of course, that means if you haven't subscribed, please hit that button.